Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast. Hey, we talk about everything you might need to know, occasionally some things you don't need to know, about how to fail forward in young adult ministry. With these monthly podcasts, we discuss culture topics, interview guests and friends, cover books, and riff on anything else that we feel like is relevant. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from the Boise, Idaho area, where I'm the Young Adult Volunteer Director with my local church the district young adult coordinator, and I work full-time remotely as the young adult connection pastor with Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. And hey, I'm just down the road in Cincinnati, Ohio. My name is Chris Bean. I am the coordinator for Nazarene Campus Mission, which is an outreach to Nazarene to college and university students. And I also work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship as a church engagement catalyst, helping churches engage more with college and young adult ministry. And I'm Jeremy Height in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, where I serve as the college pastor at Trevecca Community Church on the campus of the Trevecca Nazarene University. And, and here, here we go. Go. Here we go. Intro. So, young adult ministry is a lot like a Ruby's Cube. You think you've got something all lined up and then one twist or turn happens and everything's completely out of alignment and you feel like you're starting all over again. End recording. And the, the best way to solve it is to just peel off all the stickers and start from scratch. Welcome. Welcome to the first episode of 2023 here on the AMCast. And uh, just a few weeks ago, we all were in Indianapolis together. Uh, but unfortunately, Kenny and Chris, I didn't get to see you um, as we uh, passed like, um, what's the phrase? Passed like ships in the night. Uh, but both of you were there for Urbana 22. And our ships tried to crash into yours, but you were doing the Lord's work, and we understand that. As were you. You guys were just doing it at more coffee shops than me. Uh, so walking I, in I the wanna... rain together. Chris and I had a delightful time. <laughs> I want to hear about Urbana. What were what were highlights of it? We've talked about it some on uh, past episodes, but talk about Urbana. One, two, three, Chris. Today's topic. Yeah, yeah. Urbana was awesome. This was my first experience at the Urbana conference. The student missions conference that InterVarsity has been putting on since, I don't know, late 60s, early 70s, maybe. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. There was, I think, about five to 6,000 folks there at the convention center downtown Indianapolis. You know, several main sessions, evening sessions, worship sessions, these giant, you know, room full of small group Bible studies happening. A lot of after hours, informal gatherings. And then uh, the thing that Kenny and I were most actively engaged in was what was called the Connection Hall. It's basically an exhibit hall. So there were, I don't know how many exhibitors. 200. 200 yeah. exhibitors. Um, so Kenny was there representing uh, Shepherd there in Indianapolis. And I was there representing the Church Resources Department of InterVarsity and uh so how did that go for you, Kenny? How was it to, because you were more, I was really trying to engage with pastors and leaders and perhaps some university staff folks for the first time, but you were really there focused on connecting with students, young adults who were at the conference. Right before uh, getting on the, the call here today for Yemcast, I was wrapping up an interview with an applicant that came directly from Urbana. And that's pretty cool from a school that Shepherd's not previously been connected with and and she's fluent in spanish she's a graduating senior um so that's that's been a really cool development from that i was really grateful to have experienced urbana um and 
connected with some of the staff I've met before there. Chris, be there with you. It was, a, it was awesome, man. Heckling you and Tim at your booth and stealing all your Reese's Pieces, peanut butter cups, whatever they're called. Delicious. So overall, I mean, I, I was grateful to be there. It was it was a really um, interesting experience in the exhibit hall. I'll tell you one thing that they had on point was scanning people's badges like what they have for exhibitors and you, you scan a lead and then it gets their information. Cause I'm following up on the people that stop by our booth. I've emailed them. I've, I've texted them once and we'll continue to do that. See if there's two or three more that will apply for, from that. So it was, a, it was a mixed experience for me as an exhibitor participant. Can I share my favorite experience from the conference overall, just like from a main session was the first yeah. night. And it, it was, it was when the leader of, um, the Urbana, Urbana camp conference. I can't talk today. The Urbana, 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 Urbana the Urbana camp conference. <laughs> wow. When she, when she acknowledged the, the first nations and indigenous people and the native Americans of, of the Indianapolis area, and that they'd asked their permission to come and hold the conference there a year or two or however long before. And then, and then had them there and honored them and they exchanged gifts. And then that um, the Native American group performed um, a, a song and dance and everything before. I just thought that was awesome. I've, yeah. I've very rarely seen that happen in U.S. context, uh, never within the church, never within the church that I'm aware of. And I'd like to see that happen more personally, um, maybe within government. But I, I thought that was an encouraging and really holistic and thoughtful connection that the leadership of, of Urbana made um, to the place that they were hosting this conference at. So that's, that's what I'm going to share as my, as my main, my slight critique on the exhibiting thing that, but really, really good and rewarding. Alan connected with lots of organizations, but the way that they started Urbana with that, I was super impressed, super inspired. want to see more of. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. I don't want to take away from the beauty of that first night. That thank you for sharing that. Um, like that is amazing that they that they did that. I um, you were talking about the name badges and not being there. I want to make sure I heard you right. So participants had badges where if they wanted, like if they were interested in your booth, you could scan it and you automatically got their contact information. Yeah, you scan their QR and it's a lead capture thing, and it, it and then it bumped and it dumped in a, a spreadsheet. That's awesome. Yeah, work conferences to do that. I there I could think of some this year that should do that. <laughs> There's definitely uh, different ways to look at the Urbana conference, and certainly from an exhibitor kind of viewpoint, it's a certain kind of event. And I do think it's cool that so many students who come to a conference. There's 200 missional kind of organizations that they can connect with and learn yeah. about. Like I love that that happens at Urbana. Um, Definitely those of us who are spending our time in, in the exhibit hall, that's not the best part of, of Urbana, I would say. No, it's not. Sorry. It's really cool. And I would say I'm new to InterVarsity. I've only been with InterVarsity as an organization for a little under three years now. But Ruth Hubbard is the director of that. And InterVarsity, one of their values, main values, is multi-ethnic. And it is being very like culturally sensitive. And I think that is one of the gifts they do give to what I would kind of consider the evangelical christian um you know world it was awesome of, and you know ministry orgs yeah and ivp is they're the ones who published the first nations new testament right 
have. Yes, I have one. I got I one, one at Christmas. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really cool resource. They handed these out in in droves. You know, awesome. At the hall, which was cool. Um, but yeah, that that initial welcoming kind of thing that was super cool. Um, and they just do multi ethnic very well. Um, I mean, throughout the whole conference, I didn't go to all the main sessions, but the ones I did attend, there was just a, a really good mix of, uh, you know, the worship was in uh, Spanish and English. And also there was a little bit of, was it, there was another language. Um, it may have been Chinese. The worship team was quite diverse and talented and um, they, were, they just brought a lot of different flavor um, yeah. to leading that and, and energy. It was, that was, that was awesome. And, and I the small brought students to the conference and, you know, they were just telling me about some really cool breakthrough kind of transformation experiences that students had. Um, I think it's just one of those conferences where um, it's not just about kind of the hype and a, and a big like mountaintop worship experience, but there was lots of seminars, workshops, the way they did the small group, there was this thing called the world changers cohort. So you, you could kind of be a part of these small groups. And that was a training program to actually train students into how to lead groups, things like that. And so um, I think nearly a thousand students were actually helping lead those groups. So, I mean, there was tons of great things that happened at that kind of conference and stuff that I'm still hearing about from you know, friends who were there with students. Yeah. Um, and I kind of missed that. Back in the day, I would have been the campus ministry guy there with students instead of kind of representing, you know, church resources or just trying to connect with pastors. So that made it a different experience for me. But even so, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. I know it was, the attendance was down. This is the first post-pandemic um, Urbana conference that's been held since, I want to say 2018, yeah was the last one so and, and the airline meltdown didn't help yeah i was gonna say we had we had some friends who weren't able to make it to indy because of um old computer systems um when's the next one was that announced so it'll be 25 so it happens typically every three years so this was technically urbana 22 so the next one will be 25 and it should be back in indianapolis for the next few years i cool. i think that the the small groups that they had, which as a, you know, I wasn't a participant in, but I was watching them. I walked around and saw the different places and large rooms and small rooms that they were hosting these small groups in. And I thought as a, you know, as a college age student or young adult that's there at Urbana, how cool is it to get grouped up, meet people from across the US, Canada, maybe if they're from another country, have these times where you're sharing about, you know, at the level you want to, but sharing in journey and and the urbana experience together i thought that's that's awesome this isn't just about a conference and going to this workshop or going to a main session you genuinely have an opportunity to connect relationally with people and form some friendships um if if you're there for that and so th that was one of the things that i thought of as a participant would have been a would have been a takeaway for me but jeremy to your next question about the takeaways i mean really that the the introduction and hospitality and and permission seeking of of uh, the native american tribe from the area um yeah. and then the small groups that were there and that also the shepherd doesn't need to fly me out in three years for it but i would like to go to it with people are some of my takeaways 
resource. Yeah, that's I for those who haven't gotten someone like me who's involved in young adult ministry wasn't there. Um, what's what's a application a resource? I almost every book that I've bought in the last six months has been through IVP. Um, they are just cranking out amazing stuff. I'm reading one right now um, by uh, on the Book of Revelation and Mission by uh, Dean Fleming. Um, that's phenomenal. So tons of great resources and an uncompensated uh, plug there for for IVP. But um, any takeaways or applications from you, Chris? Um, I mean, similar sorts of things. I would say so. I look at this conference as the default setting is probably for it's a it's designed for a campus ministry like a an university chapter at a university somewhere to bring their students to this missions conference and help introduce their students to a bigger picture of what what is possible what could be on the horizon for them as as they seek to integrate their faith with their vocation and mission and figure out where god's leading and stuff like that so i think it really obviously fits that kind of context but then i think of a like a a pastor at a church with young adults who you want to really invest in some young adults and do some leadership development and community building with a team of young adults. I mean, it's a, depending on where you live, this is an expensive four day conference that, you know, would definitely take some, some budgeting and funding and some ways to figure out how to get your group to this thing. But I think if you could come with some young adults and really invest in their leadership development and have them experience this kind of thing together and then debrief it together. Like, I think this could be, it could be the kind of thing that could be a huge part of your leadership development rhythm, you know, every three years in a young adult college ministry setting within a church. So that's, that's what I would love to see happen as I kind of prepare for the next one. I yeah. want to really have to network with churches, with young adult pastors, with youth pastors, who would want to come to this with some students and really invest in them and see see kind of where that goes. So start budgeting and fundraising uh, and saving now for uh, December 2025? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know where you live, yeah. I know some students from West Coast, you know, had to raise above $1,500 to make this happen. Mm. Um, Thankfully, a lot of them were part of churches that helped to chip in and, and cover a huge chunk of that cost. So, yeah, get on that. Put that on your 25 calendar. <laughs> oh, they, I was going to say, I had one other takeaway, Jeremy. They have Go a coaching, it. they have a coaching opportunity there. And so somebody that's like, they're discerning, they're trying to figure out calling, they're, what their next steps are um, in, in vocation, whatever that might be. You could sign up and go meet with uh, a, a coach in this coaching hall. Um, and I just thought that was a really cool thing, a needed thing. You know, sometimes you go to conferences for youth leaders or young adult leaders or whatever, and there's like spiritual direction or counseling and, and or, you know, some things like that. But for a young adult, I have somebody, a sounding board that they can just go and this is what I'm thinking, what would be your input? And there's no relationship journey there that, that, it's good, but it doesn't get in the way. They can just be blunt, be like, hey, with what you told me, this is kind of what I'm thinking. What do you, you know, what do you think about this? And I had a couple of impromptu conversations, not because I was like trying to do that, but because people stopped, engaged at the booth and they're genuinely curious and say, what do you know, what do you think about this? I'm like, oh, well, 
let's talk. Let's go for a walk. Let's go find something to drink or eat. You know, so I, a couple of cool opportunities like that. It's just a really unique setting and conference and 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 worth the energy and effort for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to be part of it. I look forward to being able to block off my calendar for uh, a few years from now to be able to be a part of it. Um, yeah. Promo culture corner chat GPT. What have you heard? What do you know? I know that there's a lot of think pieces on the internet about how it's going to uh, destroy academic papers at colleges. Um, though I've also heard stories of people, um, a professor who caught one of their students using it because in the paper, like one of the lines was, and as an AI, like uh, as an AI bot, <laughs> I dot, 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 like itself named itself in the paper and the student didn't even take the time to, to do it. I, I actually, would you say, Chris? Proofreading failure. That yes. Right yeah. If you're, if you're going to give some effort, if you're going to um, try to use that, I've, um, I've played around with that one. There's also one that's a travel one um, where you like type in a question about a location and it like auto populates stuff about locations and like recommendations on stuff. Um, I think it's like, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I think it's one of those things where we don't fully know the capabilities of what it, of, what it can do and what it could change. I feel like being worried about college papers is probably the, um, it won't be like, I think a year from now, we'll still be talking about this kind of AI bot stuff, but it won't be about college papers. I don't know what it would, what it'll be. If I did, I would license whatever that next thing was and make a lot of money, but um, I think it'll stick with us. I think that this is just kind of like the, the first iteration of it, like, um, like Vine, where it was the first video thing, but it didn't stick around, but it was a precursor to all of the video-based content that we have on media now. Okay. Chris, chat GPT. Uh, yeah, I mean, since I spend a lot of my time hanging out with college students, you know, the first thought is like the potential for abuse and cheating and, you know, to have this thing write your paper. But I also was reading an article that compared it to like the use of a calculator does using a calculator mean that no one learns math anymore uh well maybe to some degree you know there's a lot you know i think of my own kids and how they struggle with some simple mathematical computations but how much does that really change their life or whatever so i'm thinking there is a positive way to look at it maybe as a tool how does this enhance our learning or our ability to communicate instead of just seeing it negatively as oh this is going to destroy i do think there's a positive way to look at it um but yeah especially as an older you know purist type of uh philosopher educator type you know pastor type whatever um it, it concerns me that it could have a dumbing effect on you know people's ability to write and think and communicate clearly um, I do wonder, not that pastors are typically the most technically savvy people, technologically savvy people, but I do wonder how many, how many chat GBT sermons, how many AI bot sermons have already been created, you know, and used. Uh, I've already read about it. It's what I was going to bring up that I've heard that there are pastors that are considering or using it to write their sermons. So I can see it both ways. I can see it as like, oh, danger, danger, but also like, ah, you know what? 
if we learn how to use it properly as a tool, I mean, it could enhance and be helpful. It could save people a lot of time from creating content that's kind of tedious and you don't necessarily need to waste time creating, you know, a generic um, explanation about such and such topic. So just look that up um, or have it do it for you. So I don't know, as long as we learn to source those things and not act like, hey, I created this or, but also to proofread it so that we're not putting our name on, you know, if we tweet out something that was created by a bot, I mean, somehow give that credit or say, hey, I've, you know, I use this resource, um, but I- I know a couple of humans that act like bots. That's what my my kids used to say it all the time. You're such a bot. Why are you being such a bot? Bothead. So I've just played around with it a little bit, but I just wrote like, I just opened it up and wrote sermon on Christian missions. And it gave me a really good outline. I'm speaking, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving a missions uh, sermon here in a few weeks. Um, this I is used, impressive. Maybe, maybe I, I'll do that for my chapel prep for Trebekah. I used I, it to say like, Hey, how do I do young adult ministry? I literally typed in that question and it gave a pretty decent, you know, six wow. point strategy of here's how to engage with, Gen Z and young adults or whatever. Okay, I listen. Mean, this is this how is how do I find my source? The, yeah. Chat GPT. Um, this is my final contribution here in, in case we in case we need to wrap it up. But as I was going down a rabbit hole about this recently, I came across an article that talked about the digital singularity. And what this article proposed is that we are seven years away from a hypothetical future where technology growth is out of control and irreversible. So that it's intelligent and powerful technologies that radically and unpredictably will transform our reality. As a sci-fi fan, I got excited. I shouldn't be, I should be like in despair because like, this is like Skynet, Terminator, Matrix type stuff all melding together. Yeah. So I've seen every, anywhere from we are seven years out to four to to the year 2045 before technical technological self-learning reaches a point that's irreversible and maybe out of human control. That's wild. I can't think of a more hopeful way to end this culture corner topic. I will talk to you guys later. All right. Have a good rest See you of your boys. Day. Outro. Until next time, keep failing forward. Be present and be teachable. See you. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our monthly premium content to hear the longer recording session and what we cut out. We'll be back next month with a brand new Yamcast.